The, the first thing that, well, see, we are kind of in Ephesians 6, because the first thing that I have for us to kind of talk about is this, how God's enemies are not people. That's right. This is a really important point. Yes. <laughs> incredibly, incredibly important. Yes. Because there's a lot of, and you know, I've even caught myself in this, in this uh, fallacy, if you will, that they're the enemy. Right. That, you know, the people that hate Christians, you know, a very specific subset of people, you know, or the people that hate God or, or that are constantly warring against religion, quote unquote, if you don't, you know, if that's how you look at it, those aren't God's enemies. Right. Maybe they're being influenced by God's enemies. Yeah. Yeah. But they're not God's enemies. Yeah. Now, is that like, because we're just, we're just little worms and, you know, we don't really count or is is it that whole Imago Day thing? Yeah. That's a really, uh, yeah, that's a really interesting point for sure. So it really is, that's why Ephesians 6, uh, when, when Paul talks about that our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the powers, the principalities of this, of this present darkness, you know, the, um, you know, the forces of evil, the demonic realm. That really is an incredible statement because that's something we do not see. It is, it's, it's just not something that is, uh, hits our five senses. It's something that really, uh, and that's why it's really easy to mistake people for God's enemies mm-hmm. is because they're the ones that hit our senses. They're the ones that are saying things. They're the ones that are orchestrating things. They're the ones that are doing all the things that we might see as the problem. And that so, but people aren't the problem. It's the, the, the divine, uh, not well, when I say divine, not, not actually gods, but like sons of God or, uh, these divine beings often they're taught called in the old Testament, these, um, demons, you know, who are, uh, fallen angels who are influencing the world. And so it's really important as a Christian to understand that it's really the, um, the way that they are influencing people, which is the problem and not the people themselves. And so, and we see that especially, I don't know, well, I don't know. Let me say it like this. So when we talk about demonic possession and stuff like that, now, because that is a thing, you know, what can, can we talk about, like, what really brings that about? Do we know what brings it about? Does the scripture mention anything like how a person becomes demonically possessed? We see Jesus casting demons out of everything from people to pigs. Casting into well, pigs, casting yeah. Into pigs. yeah, yeah, right, yeah, yeah, yeah which there. is wild, wild, yeah, really yep. weird. So you know, and I guess so. So is Satan in the serpent in Genesis, or is the serpent Satan? I guess that's. Uh, so I mean, the idea probably you know in Genesis one, he's called the serpent. It's probably something more like a dragon, you know, something more like that, right? You know, um, so but what are the things that you you know obviously Satan is pictured as a dragon in the book of Revelation, and so you have um, you know the idea that um, well possession in and of itself. So there's really the New Testament the Greek word for it is demonization, and it kind of it really actually um, there's kind of degrees of demonization that believers still 
um, have to deal with. I, believe, I, I don't believe that Christian believers can be possessed by the devil, but they certainly can be demonized. And really what that means is that there's really four big categories. Um, one is temptation. Second is accusation. Third is what's called obsession. And the fourth one is possession. And so uh, those are really sort of the four major kind of categories of what's called demonization and how uh, the devil affects um, individuals a lot of times. And so, um, and certainly uh, as a Christian believer, you're really going to experience the first and the second one uh, quite a bit. Uh, And obviously Jesus uh, experienced those as well when he was in a human form. So the fact that you're experiencing them doesn't mean that you're doing anything wrong, of course, or that you're sinning or anything. It just is a normal part of human existence because of the power that Satan has here on the earth. So you're describing demonization as something that is done to you by a spiritual being. Yeah. And that's a totally different concept from when we demonize pit bulls. <laughs> right. Or demonize yeah. some mean person from high school or something. Yeah, but know? that would be more like a condemnation or something like that, right? To uh yeah, but this is actually um, what the actual uh, demons do um, uh, biblically, ultimately. And do we see, like, when you talk about this demonization, do we see any, like, examples of this in Scripture? Well, you see with Jesus, you see that he's tempted, so that's and that's a demonization. That's, that's a demonization. So temptation. Okay. Yep. So, so is Peter So to be also? tempted, yep. Uh, so uh, Peter's tempted. He's been. He's asked to be sifted like we. You see the book of Job uh, where... Uh, Satan accuses. Uh, that's actually the name. That, that's what the word Satan means, is the accuser. Uh, you know, he's accusing the brethren in the book of Revelation, right? So obsession is more the idea really where someone is um, becomes absolutely fixated uh, on something, whether it can be, um, and they just like uh, can't get off of it whether and that happens time with with all kinds of different things but um bitterness is a you know can be a particular one that's i mean you can be bitter without being demonized right right? but sometimes you can give um demons can give power to bitterness in an obsessive way where you just become obsessed with the wrong done to you um, it can be, I mean, it could have, it could be greed. It could be, uh, you know, just anxiety. It could be, um, you know, an obsessive desire for ease and sloth and freedom and all that, you know, just like not having to do any work. You know, there's like, I mean, there's lots right. of things you can just kind of pick a sin and get, you can get obsessed with it. Um, so, and then the other one is then the actual possession where a, the spiritual, uh, being the demon can actually take control of your body, and um, and usually in the, in the scriptures when you see that, particularly in the gospels, um, you you aren't given a reason why someone was possessed. A lot of times it even afflicts children. Uh, so we're, and then again, I think what we can assume by what other things Jesus says about children that it, there's probably nothing that the child did uh, for that to happen. Um, it's just a part of the fallen creation at points. Um, a lot, some sickness is possession, but in the in the gospels, but not all sickness is possession in the gospels. A lot of times, the the word the actual possession is 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 there some sort of effect to the mind uh, along with the sickness? Um, 
so um, that's where you see a lot of the um, some of that sickness that might be that is demon possession in the Gospels. So be well. I guess to kind of just move the 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 ball forward here, you know, you went into what Christianity is uh, in your sermon, and so just like in my brain here, I'm thinking about you know what you just said there. For one thing, you said that Christians can't be possessed. You don't believe that, anyways, right? Correct. And so I don't I don't think I believe that either. But when we talk about you just mentioned too, though, it's not anything that people do or did that causes them to be possessed. Well, not always, probably, but yeah, the okay. children particularly. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <clears throat> and then, but and there just... certainly could be certainly there is possession because of willful acts, almost certainly. Yeah, but, sure. I mean, yeah. I mean, you could probably even in like people have invited that even. Sure. Sure. Yeah. You know, yeah. in other uh, times and periods and maybe even now, definitely now. Anyways, but you talked about uh, Christianity not being a set of principles that you adhere yourself to. And so with that being said, like, it's not, you know, just kind of compounding on that. It's not because people are doing bad things that something like demonic possession or, or demonization would happen to them. But uh, because, because Christianity, that's not what Christianity is. It doesn't really have to do with your adherence to anything. You're not following certain rules, I guess, and, and you're not doing certain rituals, mm-hmm. if you will, and that's not what makes you a Christian, mm-hmm. which is really important, especially in today's day and age, because a lot of people don't realize what Christianity is. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of times what we hear is, you know, well, you've done bad things. <laughs> like, yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's why I'm so happy that I have a savior. Like that's mm-hmm. the most important point there. And so the people who don't follow the principles are not the problem though. That's right. When you talk about people are not the problem, right? Yeah. yeah that's like really God. Yeah. Not God's enemies. Yes, exactly. They're also not the reason why society has problems or the economy is not doing well, or there's war over, uh, wherever in the world, you know, it's not because people aren't adhering to Christian principles. That's yeah. So, yeah. So when, yeah, so when you have any time, you know, there basically are two religions in the world. One is grace plus works, you know, grace plus anything equals salvation, right? So, um, and and then just grace alone, right, or Jesus alone. And so when Christianity gets uh, into a mode where it's Jesus plus your works and Jesus plus adherence to, you know, God's rules and all that kind of stuff, um Basically, it comes down to it's really going to be easy to see people as the problem because you're going to see them as people not obeying um, God. And if they just obeyed God, then things would be so much better. And the idea of that is, of course, hypothetically right, right? It's, uh, of course, that's right. If we all obeyed uh, every command of God, everything would be so much better. But it's really, really naive. To uh, and it's actually just absolutely wrong to think that people are going to obey God just because you hear the command. But if everyone uh, did it the way I do it, Dave, and that's exactly <laughs> right. Kidding. That's exactly right. Well, see, that's what you know. That's exactly right. So um, because um, because the law is beautiful and it's good and right, uh, it's easy to hear it and think, yes, that is what needs to happen, um, and then. 
what of course uh though because you're kind of captivated by often its beauty and goodness you forget that you're not a law doer you're a lawbreaker and you forget that you don't even do it you know the easiest way to start any conversation to stop any kind of conversation with a very zealous person off maybe a christian who's like really zealous for you know just a society obeying god's rules you just say well have you done that perfectly <laughs> you can just ask that question to them and they'll just it'll ruin the conversation and they'll get mad at you right because that's just the reality is they 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 can't say that they lived up to it and um and so when we and and certainly demons would want to make sure that our christianity conforms to what they would want uh christianity to be which is a uh, taking it into our own hands, our taking our salvation, our rightness with God, uh, just as uh, Satan wanted Eve to take the knowledge of good and evil into their her own hands. Yeah, and I I think it's important that as Christians we recognize too, like God has no expectation for us to be sinless or for us to be uh, saviors in any way either. You know, Paul talks about how. Uh, we should bear one another's burdens together, and that we should confess our sins to one another. Mm-hmm. And so, like, we can't we can't put ourselves under that kind of a a yoke either. You know, like we can't expect ourselves to to be perfect and to nail everything, which just goes right back to that Christianity isn't a set of principles because it can't be a set of mm-hmm. principles. Mm-hmm. And so, when we talk about these things, if we begin to engage in that manner, like you were saying, we're like, oh, if everybody would just follow this, these rules or whatever, then everything would be fine. But mm-hmm. that's kind of the whole reason, though, that Jesus came, isn't it? Because we can't do that? Absolutely. I you mean, know? absolutely. So, I mean, uh, so the law was given to show this complete sinfulness of sin, right? It was to show that you're, you know, you don't give law to law, uh, um, law-abiding citizens you know you you know you give law to lawbreakers uh you gotta have rules for lawbreakers and the fact that law exists should point to the fact that you're a sinner uh but when you are a jesus plus obedience person for being right with god and you uh think that's true or the gospel which it's not but if you are if you're that if that's what you believe then um you know, you you really um, you're really uh, missing the whole point of why the law is there. It's not there to show us the God's good intention for how you're to live. It's not the basic instructions before leaving Earth. Um, you know, it is there to show you that you need a savior. It's your guardian. It's your babysitter um, until Jesus can faith in Jesus can come. So we should be following the law now. No. Okay. No. <laughs> so, I mean, it's just a, it threw me off there a little bit. Calling like because when we referred to it as like the the, the babysitter or, or what, how did you just describe it? What we follow until Jesus comes or yeah, completes. faith in Jesus comes. Yeah. Yep. yep. That's what I mean, the whole point of Galatians. Essentially, that's Paul's argument. In Galatians is the law was given as a guardian until. Uh, just like when you're a little kid, you so, got to have a bunch of rules. Um, we're already but, past this part. Yeah, then. so Jesus is come since Jesus and, came, the law. Okay, so yeah, the law for righteousness, the law for, uh, and righteousness is a lot bigger. Uh, righteousness is the like the engine of your life. It's what runs your life. It's like the gasoline and the engine all together. Uh-huh. You know, it's like um, 
so, you know, if you look at all your behavior, um, a lot of it comes down to how do you gain righteousness? And righteousness is uh, the things you need to do to be accepted and respected. And so that's why the law is so tempting to live by, because we feel like if we obey the law, we obey all the right rules, we'll be accepted and respected. And uh, we do that with God. We do that with all kinds of things. You can find your idol by basically uh, uh, asking yourself, you know, what principles do I need to live by to get the thing I want to get, to get accepted and respected? And if you want to be accepted and respected in, in your career and money or, you know, family or whatever it can be, all those things, right? So, um, so yeah. So that's why it's so important. Um, but when you live that way, you're right, you're definitely going to, you're, you're, you're going to be, um, you're going to make, you're, you're basically going to see yourself on the right team. And the people who don't uh, obey like you do or believe like you do are going to be on the wrong team, and they're the and they're the problem in the world. And this is like, this is not a religious problem. This is a human problem. And in fact, like you know, when you get in discussions with people who don't believe Christianity too, who uh, you'll you'll really see that on the same token from them, it's not like they're just excited to go sin as much as they can. It's not at that at all. It's that they actually think that Christianity is the wrong team and Christianity is bad for the world. And if Christianity just didn't exist, then, um, you know, then it would be, the world would be a better place, right? Because there's a certain set of principles and beliefs that they're living by, which give them their sense of righteousness, and everybody, and if Christianity doesn't adhere to that, then they're to be rejected. And you can see why then Christians are can be such a big problem for for that. And that's essentially the the human problem. You know, humans are not looking just to be necessarily as sinful and and licentious as possible. They're looking. They're all looking to establish righteousness through their own effort and um, their own intrinsic value. Ooh. That's good. So with all that in mind, as we talk about this, the law and all these things, the set of principles, the rules and everything, and that, that, that everyone is expecting everyone else to follow. And by that, I mean, everyone has, well, not everyone, but you get what I'm saying, that there's, you know, people expect everyone else to follow their kind of set of rules or ideals or whatever in the world would be, you know, the perfect place, whether that be uh, as a Christian or non-Christian. This is where we kind of get into, that's what Satan uses to uh, deceive us and uh, not, not convict us, but, um, you know, point, you know, point out to us that we don't follow our own set of rules Mm -hmm. uh, to shame us, that kind of thing. And, that's sort that's his weapon really in mm-hmm. all of this that's that's the that's what he does mm-hmm. he just you you earlier you called him i believe you called him the uh, the deceiver what would you call him what does his name mean oh deceiver. satan means accuser, accuser. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah so mm-hmm. yeah, okay so yeah sort of same thing there so he yeah but he's definitely does, a deceiver too right yeah, for so sure he, yeah he takes in he accuses us of, of these things these ideas that we have in our head that we believe we are supposed to follow, and Satan says, "Well, you know, you failed here that time. You failed here this time, and <clears throat> that's how he gets us to give into temptation, or to give into hatred, or even to follow a false god." 
Well, I mean, that's why it's so important that Satan would get Adam and Eve to take the knowledge of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. A lot of times, and we can look at that in a naive way, just to think that there was one rule in the garden, and that there was one rule you couldn't break, And but since they broke it, that's why sin came, right? Um, but actually, the knowledge of good and evil, to take that for ourselves, is the source of all of these issues, right? So we are now defining good and evil for ourselves. And so we're doing it on an individual basis. We're doing it on a society basis. And so, and then now we have a basis in which, and basically we become judges. We become judges of whether we do good and evil or whether the people around us do good and evil, whether countries do good and evil. And almost all your discussions and all your controversies and all of your frustrations and all the blah, 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 blah that we have in our world is the knowledge of good and evil. We can, we just, that's what we fight about mm-hmm. constantly. And, um, and so, yeah, so that's why it's so important that the devil uh, would get us to uh, possess that for ourselves. So we're kind of like spill into even a little bit uh, of this past week's sermon, because I, I just, I have to kind of bring it up here. You, that's great. We can b- combine the two and get current. <laughs> we can, yeah, we can want to just do both here. Right. <laughs> uh, so I actually didn't, so I actually didn't get to hear this Past week's sermon, though. Uh, I was working security. It was so but, good. Well, yeah. So, I'm just joking. Yeah, I'm about to get in a ton of trouble here. Uh, <laughs> you you, uh, you made my wife cry. So, Whoa. Yeah. Let's uh, go. She was... Like in a good way. Yeah, hopefully. Yes. Okay, yeah, okay, actually, okay, yeah, 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 yeah. I was going to so, say, we got to establish yeah, that first. Yeah, She so she was kind of giving me the breakdown of the sermon and the car okay. on the way home. Oh, wow, and, okay. Uh, and all of a sudden, she's like, I'm like, I was like, you know, she's in the back seat with the baby. And I'm like, are you, are you crying? And oh, she's like, wow. no, it, I, I didn't cry in the sermon, but as I'm repeating it, I just, I got emotional, you know, I'm going to have to cut wow. that part out. Uh, wow, dude, <laughs> so, that's great. What, yeah, yeah, we can cut this out. What is she, uh, what was she talking about that got, that got her emotional? Well, uh, so the part where you talked about uh, Satan is the accuser, he's mm-hmm. the uh, what do you call him? The prosecutor in the courtroom, yeah, the lawyer, and yeah. uh, and then there's the the judge yeah. who has to, uh, you know, render the guilty or not guilty verdict. But then uh, Jesus is the one who you know says it's paid for, mm-hmm. you know, and and all that's that that's, yeah. you're that you're 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 clean. Then you walk out clean, mm-hmm. you know, and so that's that's what got her. Oh know? yeah, and so uh, so just to clarify a little bit, since you didn't hear it, so the point of it is like usually when so since Satan is a pr- prosecutor is accusing us, he's bringing up things in our life that mm-hmm. would keep us from doing the good right thing or the good and loving thing or just make you question who you are or that you know you really don't have the status and identity you have with God like you do. And uh, and it's really to be the defendant is always very scary in a courtroom, right? Mm-hmm. When a prosecutor is saying, "Here's all the, uh, here's all the accusations against you," and if you're a defendant, it's very scary because right now you have to prove, right, that you're right. not that, right? Um, but I, but in the sermon, I said, you know, there's one person in the courtroom who hears all these accusations and is uh, is unbothered buy it because um they might even just be thinking about going to chipotle for lunch you know even though this prosecutor might be saying horrible things you know and uh 
and it's the judge. And I said, for us, we think we're the defendant in this situation, but we're actually the judge. Um, and we can hear Satan's accusations and say, nope, that doesn't even, that doesn't get to come into this courtroom because of what Jesus did. It doesn't get to come into my life because of what Jesus did. And that's what we brought up the, the first Corinthians six, uh, where Paul says later, we will judge angels. Yeah. I actually, I actually heard that, uh, through, I actually heard you talking about that that part of First Corinthians there mm-hmm. uh, when I was out in the lobby. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, that's good clarification there. But uh, the uh, thing that I said <laughs> was kind of a joke. But I was like, you know, hey, you know, in, you know, Satan as a prosecutor loses this case, but you know, in his defense, the judge and the uh, the uh, uh, the defendants, the defendants' attorney are, are the same guy. Uh, yeah, that's <laughs> you know? right. Yeah, that's so, right. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. The, the public exactly defender right. and the judge yes. are the same guy. It's kind of it's kind of yes. stacked against them. So. Yes, exactly. Uh, that's how, and that's actually what in Colossians it says. It says that Jesus died on the cross to disarm the rulers and authorities um, that stand against us, uh, and it's really powerful. And so, yeah. So I just wanted to roll that in, like we're talking about Satan as in being this accuser and everything and giving it that, that courtroom perspective there uh, because a lot of times we can kind of get lost and we forget that there's like, there's something on the line here as, as Christians, it's easy to, once we're, we're saved and we follow Jesus, it's like, Oh yeah. Like I'm covered. I'm good. Mm-hmm. You know, but we don't think about that in terms of the people that we talk to every day. The, the person that, you know, you're having the conversation with, whether it be online or at work. And maybe they're like, oh, no, yeah, I like the one thing that you 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 want me to talk to you about the Bible. Tell me that that Christianity thing isn't for you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. like, I'd be like, oh, well, actually, it's for everybody. Yeah, you know, yeah. and then they're like, no, I'm trying to get you to shut up. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, that was the wrong thing to say to me. So, <clears throat> but there's that. There's that thing on the line because you were describing that like as the defendant, you like you get in there, you know, if you kind of put yourself in the shoes of somebody who's let's say let, let's say you're watching someone that you love, you care about get put on trial for something that whether they did or didn't do it, they're being put on trial and their entire life is at stake. Are you not rooting for them to to be found innocent? Because when when we walk away from those people and we just go, well, they said they said it's not for them, so I'm not going to bother them with it. That's what you've done essentially. You're you, you just you decided you don't care how their child turns out. Is that is that an accurate representation? What I'm saying here. If I understand what you're asking, you're saying if um because if Satan is a prosecutor, essentially he's basically yeah, he's bring, a, which he is, and it's really hard to understand Satan. Um if you don't understand that he's actually trying to do like uh, more like legal things with you, you know, like now he does tempt you, but the accusation especially is this big one. Cause he wants to bring shame. He really wants to really attack your strength. He really wants that um, is what he wants to do. Um, and so you're saying if um, you know, basically if Satan is accusing uh, an unbeliever or something, you know, and like we just, and, but you know, like you're talking to them and they're just like, Oh, Christianity is not for me. And you're like, Oh, okay. You know? And then you're basically just kind of giving them up to that court system essentially. Like yeah. That. And you know, I can think of a, actually an example 
without sharing names from my life, you know, uh, guy I knew had, uh, you know, his, his, uh, son was suicidal and like, I mean, he was a mess over it, you know, and you know, feeling like that he had failed as a parent and, you know, his, you know, he's like literally telling me, he's like, oh, like if my son, if my son goes, th- goes through with this, like if something happens, I'm just going to kill myself. You know, that's, that's a, that's an accusatory thing there that this is his fault, you know, that he failed as a father and that it's a result of his bad parenting or something that he did, Mm -hmm. you know, when the reality is it's, it's probably a result of social media or something like just being real, you know, a lot of times people get caught up in that and then Satan starts accusing them through there. Mm -hmm. Like, look, you're not as successful as them. You don't look as good as they do. You're not uh, married to someone as good as her, you know, Mm. whatever it is. And that, that's that same line of accusations. And so you've got two people that are both falling into this trap. Uh And so what better to do than to share the gospel in that situation? Yeah. Even though they say, yeah, it's not for me. Well, but you know, and that it really is actually incredible to when people hear the gospel as not a thing that is about, um, you know, what you need to do in order to be made right with God. It is an incredibly trans. It often is an incredibly transformative um, message, right? Because everything in their life is about what it is they need to do to be accepted and respected. And that's so if someone says, if something ever happened to my kid, I would just kill myself. Well, basically, I mean, suicide is the ultimate, um, basically like the ultimate, uh, self harm because you have, uh, condemned yourself as unrighteous, you know? And, um, and a lot of people kill themselves for, you know, like money, right? You know, like when the, mm-hmm. there's a downturn in the economy, right? Like a lot of people kill them. A lot of people kill themselves yeah. because they have basically are doing self harm based on their lack of righteousness, which they put fully in money or whatever. You know, you can do it. There's a lot of different things you can do. But um, uh, so, and that's why, you know, that's why when I say righteousness is the engine of your life, of your heart, right? Like when you lack righteousness, you, you, uh, you're lost, you're desperate. It's a terrible place to be. And that's like when, when righteousness is revealed in the gospel by faith, which is, you know, Romans 1, 16 and 17, right? It's the idea there that you are, you know, fully accepted and respected by God, you know, by, because of what Jesus has done. And so it really is incredible. Uh, transformative, but you can see how uh, what Satan wants to do, right? If he's a prosecutor, he wants you obsessed with law because he wants you to like he wants to deceive you to think that's how you get right, that's how life is meant to be lived, and uh, but so then he can either deceive you by condemning you, or he can, or by even just deceiving you about your your goodness, and that's why life is so miserable with the what the Bible calls either envy which is basically like you're you're desperately desiring what other the righteousness other people have or you're boasting which is you're basically demonstrating your righteousness so that other people would be uh celebrating you and envious of you and that 
what you were saying there kind of falls in line with what you talked about a couple of weeks ago too, with doubt and accusations being the weapon that Satan uses. And that <clears throat> makes us doubt that, well, I mean, technically we're not righteous. We get Jesus righteousness, but makes us doubt that we have any righteousness or uh, makes accusations against us, even accusations that would cause us to doubt. And you talked about how he uses true accusations. Yeah. Oh, yeah, and, for sure. you know, it, it kind of made me think about uh, the temptation where uh, he literally used scripture even yeah. to tempt Jesus. Yeah. And <clears throat> if he's, if he's going to do that with Jesus... Imagine what he's, you know, imagine what he's going to do. And I guess that goes back to Ephesians 6 here where, uh, you know, we talk about, uh, you know, being prepared for these, these Mm -hmm. attacks. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. uh, Yeah, I believe, you know, the the whole armor of God thing just Mm -hmm. falls right into that category. Yeah. That if we don't have any of that, if we're not practicing any of that, especially if we don't know the scriptures, I, I actually, I heard one time somebody say that we shouldn't memorize scripture. Oh boy. That, yeah. That it was you were just supposed to read it on a regular basis. <clears throat> and uh <clears throat> whatever God wanted to reveal to you at that time, he would. Mm-hmm. That you weren't supposed to memorize it because otherwise God couldn't do that. <laughs> it was just a ridiculous thing. But also I, I pointed out wow, to them I was like, you know, Jesus didn't have the Bible on him when he was out in the desert, and he he responded to everything that Satan threw at him with Scripture. Mm-hmm. You know, <clears throat> every bit of it. Like like there was no point in time there that Jesus was like, you know, I'm just going to pull this one out of left field. Yeah, yeah. You know that that didn't happen one time. And so it's important for us to have that knowledge of the Word to be in there regularly, because otherwise that that makes Satan all that more powerful against us. Mm-hmm. And so where does that fall in line? Like, because we talk about we don't have to do anything, but also at the same time, we kind of do when it comes to our well-being, if you will. Because if we're not staying in the Word, if we're not understanding what is in there, that can be wielded against us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it, so... Obviously, it doesn't yeah. have anything to do with salvation. Right. I don't want to yeah. confuse that for anybody. Right. Yeah, exactly. So... um yeah, this is really this is a really good question um, because you know one of the I'll, and I'll, I'll try to answer this question maybe as a story because I can see in my life where when I learned the gospel over against the kind of that Galatian air where you know it's Jesus plus my obedience is what gives me God's blessing. You know, um, and so when I heard the gospel that it was Jesus and trust in him alone and his work, um, for, you know, me to get, uh, you know, righteous with God, that was an incredibly transformative thing. Right. And so, uh, and so I really, really, really dug into sort of that, the, the wonderful truth of the written word. Uh, around, you know, that it's, you know, that we live living by faith and all that. And so, and I really fed on the Word of God, which is great. So, one of the things, though, I think that I missed uh, is then how do I interact with the Holy Spirit day to day 
in a way that actually gets me to then engage with um, what is going on in the world around me, particularly uh, in the war in which we find ourselves, mm-hmm. you know. Now, um, that's not to negate anything of what the written word says, of course, but then, uh, but one of the things that I feel like um, I wasn't really interacting with uh, on a, you know, real conscious basis was just the, um, how the spirit then is applying uh, uh, his leadership into my life and really leaning into being filled and with the spirit. And so, because that's a really, really important part of, um, of the armor of God, which I haven't really talked about yet in the sermons, but um, you have, um, you have the truths about you. You have the belt of truth. You have, but you have the breastplate of righteousness, the helmet of salvation, right? The feet of readiness for the gospel. Uh, but it's also, you have the, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God praying at all times in the spirit, which is, I, I don't have enough time to talk about it here. Well, I'll talk about it later, but it's really, um, you know, one of the things uh, you have, you have the armor, but you also have a weapon, you know, and then you're also to take your weapon praying in the spirit. And that's a really important dynamic about uh, your day-to-day life in especially the spiritual warfare di- dynamic. Um, so all that to say is, you know, we're not passive in just in what Jesus has done for us and fully counting on that. Um, and, and thinking that's going to be what the armor is about. It's certainly part of it. There's, we're certainly not trying to take our own efforts into it, um, but we are active participants in this warfare, and it's really important to understand what, how we act in that warfare, um, particularly by the Holy Spirit. So you mentioned like the, the weapon there. We have a weapon, that being the sword. And so I, I got to share a little funny story here. Uh, did you see the Chronicles of Narnia, the movie? Yeah. Okay. The first one, you mean? First two, I guess? Was there two? They only made two, didn't they? I don't know. I only know of the one. Okay. Yeah, there's like seven Chronicles or whatever, but oh, I think they only the made one with the like first the one. lion and the, the kid. <laughs> yeah, like that. Is that. Dude, you're so funny. Right. Yeah, you need to read the rest of these. I man. guess it's the, is it the, 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 the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. The Witch, and the Wardrobe. Yeah, yeah. They go yeah. I did thing. see the movie. Okay. Yeah. All right, yeah. They, like, grow up at like through the whole end, and then they go back through, and they're kids again. Yeah, yeah. Like, talk about weird, right? <laughs> like, come back through, you were an adult just a moment ago, <laughs> now you're a kid again. That'd be kind of awful. All right, so so there's a, a part in that where uh, before Edmund is a he's, – before he's been knighted, you know, he's given a sword. Mm-hmm. And there's, like, these wolves that show up. And as I think Aslan is there, that's the lion for the people listening, if they don't know. And Aslan has him fight this wolf that's like coming after him. And I just remember like making fun of that so much because he like trips and falls and the wolf goes jumping. All he does is like holds up the sword and the wolf falls on yeah, it and yeah. dies. That's funny. And I was like, I was like, you know, he, like, and then like he gets knighted and everyone's like, whoa, like, oh, like he, 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 he defended himself with the sword. He killed the wolf and everything. And, and I was like, he didn't do anything. 
He literally <laughs> just held that sword up and that, that, that wolf fell on it. Yeah, he yeah. Fell on it and died. Like he didn't do anything. He didn't, he, like, you know, in my, like, my joke, I was like, he doesn't deserve to be dead. <laughs> yeah, that's you know? right. Yeah. But I guess the, the point, though, that, that is, needs to be made, though, is that the representation of what that is, Edmund didn't do anything. As a matter of fact, he fell. Mm-hmm. He fell. That's what he did. Yeah. Okay. He fell like a chump. Yeah, right. Yeah. But then by holding up the the sword, which is the word of God, that is, you know, all all of what we believe, how we are saved, you know, he essentially holds up the one weapon that God gives us and he's victorious. Yeah. That's all he had to do. And so just like all Edmund did was fall. And didn't do anything else except hold up the sword. You know, that's all, all he did was literally was like, mm. "Yeah, I, I like Jesus is going to handle this." You know, yeah. like that's what the that's what that yeah. kind of represents. So you know, it is funny though. I think it's funny to make fun of because yeah, yeah. You know, he does just fall and holds up the sword. Yeah, and the wolf falls on it. It's the rid- most ridiculous yeah. thing I've ever seen. Yeah, but it's a very accurate portrayal of like what you're talking about, where you know we have. There's there's nothing that we do. There's this Galatian error and everything that I feel like comes up every single episode. <laughs> you know, uh, literally all we have to do is even if we fall, we just have to know that Jesus has already handled this. Yeah, you know, in this one, I mean, I think one of the things when you're talking about the armor is, um, you know, really what Paul is. You'll see uh, one word particularly a lot in there, and that's to stand. And so it's so not to like kill your uh, fall thing, uh, but but there actually is a point to <laughs> there actually is a uh, point to because um, you're a ba- bit you know you're basically saying like it is the you know even though you fell like it still was a, the power to defeat. So what in the in our um, you know, in the full armor of God, it's, you know, we're not like, he says, so that you can charge the enemy, so that you can, you know, it's really, it's really to stand um, against the assaults, uh, you know, the fiery darts of the enemy. And then there is a sense too there of, um, uh, of the using the word of God uh, to, to continue to stand, um, but then also to, uh, particularly affect, um, you know, uh, people's reception of it uh, as you pray in the spirit. Um, but I haven't talked about it yet, so it's a, oh, it's, it's really a, good. It's yeah, a future, so. a future. Yeah, story. yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah. We can't have any spoilers. I don't even know if I've like really learned enough about it yet. So we maybe no spoilers. Uh, yeah. So. You know, don't ever admit that, though. <laughs> <laughs> Never let them know your weakness. Yeah, yeah. I haven't downloaded uh, that YouTube video yet. Uh, yeah, well, you know, <laughs> you'll you'll find the right one soon enough. Exactly. So, anything else that you you got on the subject? Well, I think you know when I when I've been preaching on this, I think it's really important for people to understand um, that you know the devil is. Uh, you know, the caricatures of the devil, you know, largely are the this really scary being that is, uh, you know, looking to thwart you at every pass and every kind of thing. Really, but we have to understand that he really wants 
to, he really acts often so much as a prosecutor. And we need to really understand that dynamic uh, in order for us to really um, not lose our footing ultimately as a Christian. I've been te- talking about this a lot from the perspective just as a Christian, right? Um, and just, it's really, really uh, uh, important for us to understand the strategies that Satan has for us to, you know, lose our footing and to get us, you know, off our off our battle, keep us discouraged, keep us weak, uh, keep us, you know, questioning ourselves, our mm. confidence, you know, that kind of thing. One last question. Is a lot of this coming from the fact that you had jury duty this week? <laughs> That's right. Yes, almost certainly. Almost certainly all of it is coming from uh, the jury duty. Like the timing of this is amazing. Mm-hmm.